Toy Power Podcast is a free podcast made possible by the support of our awesome Patreon sponsors. Head to toypowerpodcast.com and see how you can help. Welcome to Toy Power, the podcast where we talk toys and everything pop culture. G'day, it's Trent here, and it's wonderful to have your company today for episode two, five, one. This week on Toy Power, we take a look at the remaining Patreon questions. We then jump into a review of the book of Boba Fett and round it out with State of the Nation. Joining me today in the Toy Power studio, we've got Ben. G'day, g'day. And Frank. Hello, hello. All right, let's jump into our first segment. But before we do that, massive shout out oh, yeah. to everyone that joined the live stream for our big 250. A lot of fun. Uh, great cool. having everyone's company. And we were just we didn't get to see it all at the time. Yep. But yep. all the comments, we went back and had a really good laugh. Some <laughs> some gold going on in the chat yes, room. Davey uh, being <laughs> Davey is probably the best way to sum that up. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, what does D- Davey must listen to a lot of his podcasts on 1.5 yeah, speed? There was a, find few, the button. a few people commented, they going, where's the, where's the 1.5 button? I was like, it doesn't work in a live stream, guys. Sorry. We had, uh, I think, some of the other Patreons were just examples of them watching it on their TV, the big, you know, massive... T- 65 inches of toy power, I believe, was the, was the comment, so yeah. take that as you will. But, um, yeah. Heard it was a few times. It was one... <laughs> Have you? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but no, thank you to everyone for contributing. First time we've done anything like that. Um, glad it all went well from a tech point of view, but great to see the involvement and people getting around and people won some great toys out of it and Brett Owen won some not so great toys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's 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 fun. It's fun. The mystery box had all about someone it. had to delve. Because yeah, you know, yeah, it you had to go. Maybe next time the mystery box will be, you know, a some, really good. It could yeah. be an upgrade. Who yeah. knows? Could That's be. Right. Could be. That's why it's a mystery. All Fun right. times. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Let's jump into some questions now. Um, Matt Teal has asked, "Who has been your favourite or most memorable guest over the past two hundred and fifty episodes of Toy Power, and why?" Benno, have you got? Something to shout out. Now, we, we love all our guests, yes, right? Yeah, 100%. We love yeah, all our guests. Yeah. And we've had some real heavy hitters, like, uh, yeah. you know, like uh, Brian Flynn and, uh, you know, Gelta, uh, you know, Gio- sorry, um, no, what's her name? Uh, oh, Daniel Galerta. Daniel Galerta. Yeah. James Etoff's um, been on. Yeah. yeah. Hannah. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, some amazing celebrities, but I'm going to bring it more home, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to shout out uh, Scotty the Toy Hunter, right? Yes. For Good such call. a fantastic guess because he really opened my eyes to uh, a different outlook on Toy Story and the franchise and just the passion that I love Toy Story before now I love it a little bit more yep. because, yeah, because of, of, because of, because because of love him and that's right yep. you know and yep. uh, you know I just that that episode in particular really hit home and it was one of those episodes that more people reached out to me and said damn that guy what what a legend that was a cool episode so that was one of those episodes that Aside from the, as I said, the heavy hitters mm. and things, which are all fantastic, uh, one of those episodes where, hey, that was really cool, really insightful. I hadn't thought of that. I like that, mm. you know. So thank nice. you, thank you. 
Yeah, I'm going to shout out a bit similar to that. I'm going to shout out one of the uh, local lads. The same, same as Ben said. You know, the the big names are, are wonderful, and it's amazing to have the opportunity to talk to those people. But uh, Damien, aka Truly True, Truly Outrageous, as one of the premier yep. collectors in of the world, gem and the holograms. Yeah, in, in the, the world, world absolutely yep. not just in Adelaide. So. Uh, I think it's uh, amazing that you know there's someone like that in in our community and here he who reached ca- out to us and he yeah. carries the torch so beautifully for that property. Yep. Like in terms of Instagram posts and knowledge, again, and it's always a pleasure to catch up with Damien. Yeah. Wonderful guy, and he's got some super super rare yep. and obscure items in his collection, which is we, we, he brought in a lot of them. <sights> and and the fact, that, yeah, the fact that he could oh. was open to share yeah, them with yeah. us. Hold yeah. this thing. There's yeah. like four of them <laughs> in, in the, the world. world. Yeah. And we're like, you know, and not, none of us are, are collectors of this, but we appreciate the, the, the effort and the cost and the... And the, the, the hunt the, involved. Yes, yeah. the, the sacrity of these things where you just go... This is amazing to to behold this in person. Like, the passion, the yeah. passion. I mean, you, it's the way unmeasurable. He spoke. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, love it. I have to call out one that's very special for me personally, just because of how uh, crazy this guest was. To you have can't on say the show. Josh from Lego Masters. No, it was no, not Josh from Lego Masters. <laughs> uh, although he's a legend, um, but it was Vinnie Fierro, Fierro from um, Less Than Jake, and to have. Uh, someone of that legendary status of someone I listened to growing up mm. who was an influence in me in terms of the music uh, drummer for for Less Than Jake and, and does some work uh, now still in the in the industry and has his toys that he does in the designer toy space I wasn't actually able you to were there, yeah. get say. on that episode yeah. so I had to listen to it like a fanboy <laughs> and I'm like how, how cool is this yeah, yeah. You're, just, you're chatting to like one of the coolest dudes out there <laughs> and and for me like just the the fact like when we have guests on the show right we, we just chat to the guests like oh yeah hey we're going to send you this and even with like Brian Flynn, we would we were chatting with Brian, and mm. you know this is the this is the run sheet. These are the yep. things we want to talk about. With Vinny, it was like basically his agent. We weren't yeah, chatting yeah, with that's Vinny. Right. It was all we second hand. It was all second hand, and then yep. you know Vinny comes on the show. So that was just to me to have like a childhood, um, you know, rock legend or ska punk legend mm. on the show being interviewed by you guys um, <laughs> was just fantastic, and and just super cool. Just added a level of. Of cool, uh, we were pretty cool as it is, right? Like we've got, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but, but that's just next level, right? So yeah. I think that's just that was super, super fun for me. Yeah, fantastic. We've got a, a question from Mitch, and uh, Mitch has asked: with a King Grayskull figure that's just been announced from the Revelations line, what figure or vehicle do you not expect to be made, but would love to see in the toy line in Revelations? In Revelations, yes. Yeah. Do not. I expect them to make everything. Considering we're getting, you know, the uh, crazy uh, triclops head of the, mm, yep. you know, the cult or whatever he is, I, I don't think there's much that will go untouched. I think probably the ones that are lowest on the list as far as chance of being like Pig Boy and uh, Blade. I think who shows up right at the end, literally for like three minutes of screen time. I still think they're a fair chance, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. I think Blade's um, a fair chance. Yeah. A pack-in pig boy, maybe, with an, with an orco or something. I yeah. Um, I, I can't think of much that they're not going to do in this line, Partic- uh, particularly if it gets... Has it been greenlit for a season two? No, the not other yet. show's been not lit yet. for yes. season two, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. correct. Yep. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, look, for me, 
King Grayscale, it's an interesting shout out, but he comes riding on Bionatops in one of the sequences, bursts out of the chase, and he's riding, you know, a big green mechanical uh, Triceratops, which I think is such a cool beast for the line. I don't think we'll get Bionatops. I think he's Mm. just a little bit too obscure, but don't, again, you can't rule these things out. Like if they've made an appearance. Um, fingers crossed, but yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see something like that in the line. I think such a obscure figure to bring it back for the hardcore collectors would be really cool. Mm. I'm going to go a little bit controversial and go with a figure that's been released, but I don't think they did it properly. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go with Savage He-Man. Oh yes, I think ah. they, I think the Savage yeah, yeah. He-Man they went for was a really clean cut regular buck. Yep, yep. Uh, style. He's I, a lot bigger. Isn't I wanted he? to see a more savage version a more hulk like body yeah. uh more masters classics uh build rather yep. than yep. a slimmer the build slimmer yep. uh and uh my follow-up was i i want to i want a pig boy i will go mm. out of my way to buy a pig boy to add to my classics collection and put it in my movie era one because yeah. i think that's just such a that is super fan deep cutness and uh you know i think at a at a skinnier scale, um, and Buck, I think he'll still fit well with my in my classics uh, line, even if he's a packing figure, and yep. I'll just sell the uh, extra figure or yep. whatever he comes with. Come with. I mean, Goatman and Pig Boy, uh, I think it'd be the perfect two pack. Mm. I don't know how well they'll sell, but <laughs> I, I, that's what I'm sort of hoping for. So, yeah, cool. All right, we now have a question from our friend Webstore eighty three, aka Chris. A simple but cruel question. You can only collect one period of toys. Vintage, and he's classifying vintage as from 1970 through to, let's say, 1995. Or modern, which is basically anything from 95 onwards. He says, I think I know what Ben's answer would be, but what about the rest of you? So only vintage yep. or only modern, essentially. Yeah, this is this is a brilliant question because, as we know... like. The, the we're in a golden age we're in a golden age of modern toys in the sense that a lot of the manufacturers are going back and doing toys that resonate with our childhood and and you can say to some extent the figures that we are getting or have gotten in modern era is a better a superior figure like yeah. it's a better yeah. made figure like if i just think i love my he-man right i love my master of the universe 1982 but they're basic right they're mm. basic in terms of what they could sculpt and then you look at a line like classics or yeah. revelation they've got articulation they, they, they they've got likenesses they've got more accessories and all, all the things that have improved with modern technology so it's a really it's a tough question because the nostalgia is sort of still there to some degree in the modern toys mm. but i have to say there's something even with a line as good as the super 7 ninja turtles Right, that they're releasing now, and I, I love that Muckman, and it's like an even better version of yeah. the vintage Muckman. There's still a draw for me for the vintage. So whenever I go into my toy room, what do I spend the most time looking at or reminiscing in? And for me, it is the vintage. That's mm. and that's been something that's kind of happened lately in my collecting habits. I'm more drawn to those those vintage figures whereas if you'd asked me this question five years ago i would have gone modern because they're they're superior updates they're better than the originals now there's a draw that i can't explain to those old figures that i want to be around i want to be surrounded with vintage turtles vintage masters Mm. dino riders mask all that sort of thing gives me a 
a sense of something, a sense of nostalgia that you, you can't even quite replicate in something as perfect as like a muck man. Yeah. So wow, I'm, cool. I'm going to go that vintage fig- for that figure reason. of the year. That yeah, was, that's you, right. Yeah. So like that's, that's the mm. dilemma that's, that's makes this question so brilliant and so difficult is it, it, it's just, what is it? What's the perfect thing for you to immerse yourself in? Yep. Where are you drawn to? And it's for me as of late, it's been vintage. Yeah, nice. definitely. Uh, cut, copy, paste. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> that my answer was no. Came at no surprise. It's all vintage for me. I think that the the biggest problem I have is like the depth that the, the vintage is is what it is, right? It's snapshot in time. With modern toys, you get a lot deeper and things like there was never a goat man in Masters, you know, mm-hmm. in the vintage line, and yet there now there is. There was no th- such thing as King Grayskull, and yet they're built on that law mm-hmm. and added King Grayskull through 2000X and built on top of that. You know, um, all those sort of other characters, Queen Marlena, as Darren always shouted out, uh, never had that in vintage, now we've got it in classics. So there's that attribute, that classics, uh, sorry, that modern wins over um, vintage. But also it's that obtainability that uh, is so hard with vintage toys, right? So, and I'll give you an example, like the Mad Balls, right? Mm -hmm. The Mad Balls from Premium DNA, they were uh, very questionable what was happening there. Uh, Two years, fast forward, bang. People have got them in hand, can now trust that company, they are ticking all those boxes. They're even inferior to what people expected. They're amazing toys. Now, all of a sudden, Ben wants fucking um, mad ball toys, right? <laughs> and because these new ones have come out and because they're now more popular, you know, again, than ever, the, the vintage ones are Harder. even even mm. more obtainable. Like, you talk about Australia. They, Harder to get. Yeah, yeah. they're just yeah. unobtainable. Yeah. You, just, you just cannot... You type in... Mad balls into eBay or wherever they just they come search there. comes yep. up with three things and about fifty international. Mm. So they're just so. But I can go to seven different websites, even some in Australia, and buy Mad balls, modern Mad the balls, new ones, yeah. and you know that would tick that box of that's the best of both worlds. That's that's my nostalgia yes. want of something mm-hmm, from the eighties, mm-hmm. but for what I'm paying for a brand new Mad Ball is probably even cheaper than I'm paying for a vintage one by the time I've found it, made sure it's complete, added shipping in, all that sort of jazz because the vintage one is more expensive, even loose, yep. than a carded uh, modern one is. So that's the dilemma that I'm in. I mean, fine if you jumped in with, you know... Uh, Ninja Turtles or Masters or whatever 10 years ago and you've completed your line and you're just looking for a few gaps, that's fine because you got them all. But if you want to decide right now, I'm going to go for a vintage Masters collection, you'd be digging that hole for years. You'd be, you, you know. you, you've spoken many times about that being part of the joy, part of the hunt, part of the... Yeah, but... I've if, searched for, for 10 years for this yes, little, you know, I, windshield for attorney. It, it is amazing. Like, it is amazing, but I... Envision, um, and as much as I, you know, will be vintage, you know, hand on the heart till I die, it's that that time period will get even longer between scores, mm-hmm. right? You know, like I don't go to savers or um, op shops anymore because I've stopped finding anything, mm. like l- literally nothing that I, I'll, I'll gaze around and be like, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool, but it's nothing pre 2005 that i find yeah okay and it's it's impossible to um find anything these days and you know yeah it's 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 getting harder and more less obtainable 
to collect vintage than it is and and tomorrow would be even harder to find vintage so so you sound like you've made a lot of points as to to say modern like based on everything you're saying i I love my vintage and i'd be happy to if i had to make a choice you got to sell one or the other due to financial uh needs i I could happily see later modern Hmm. i'll keep my vintage but i'm just giving you the facts that it's it's really hard to stay on the path yes. of, you of keep getting drawn vintage. in, yeah. You, you and, know, and like I, I'd use perfect example of both probably mainly silver hawks, right? Mm. Super Seven Ultimates. I always look at the you know listings of the Kenner uh, the silver hawk stuff, yeah. and just the the prices are are insane. Particularly like I'd want to love to get a carded set. Same with Thundercats. Mm. I can't get a vintage carded Thundercats collection because of the cost. It's just it's too difficult too hard so for silver hawks that super seven line kind of fills the void because they're beautiful like they're brilliant figures but ultimately if you sat me down and said which one do you would you rather if i had to choose one or the other i'd take the vintage Hmm. and it's only through the fact i've been doing this for 22 23 years that i've ticked off a lot of those vintage collections like i have pretty much everything i really want in vintage in my collection so I can kind of tick that off and be satisfied. But I see your point. Like when there is something that pops up, Madballs is a great example. The modern toy fills that need that is otherwise you, you probably won't feel any other way. Mm. Yeah. Um, geez, you guys make compelling arguments because I, I was just going to come in and just go, yep, modern, to be honest. I mean, you know, uh, I've spoken previously about my Marvel, in fact, on the last episode, Marvel Legends collection, and they're largely... You know, from from 2016 onwards, going back to look at some of the the toy biz stuff. Yeah, there's some like ones like Beast and that 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 hold up, but there's you know there's the original Rogue and stuff like this where you go, oof, that's that's not okay. And um, <laughs> that's not you know, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, sculpting is is a big thing for yeah. me. I I, I totally understand the the draw of nostalgia, but my my love for vintage comes from turtles and say what you will about their articulation, but their sculpting was, was some of the best for that sort of time. Um, and so, you know, I, I look at what they do now with toys and they've got the best of both worlds. They've got sculpting and articulation. I'm, I'm the person who, you know, wants to have all my figures in dynamic sort of poses that make sense for the character or hanging from wires and flying. You can't do that with, vintage masters for example you know they, they stand straight up and down and they look great and i love them and i'll never sell them but you know in direct answer to the question i i would sooner get a a he-man figure that can actually hold the sword aloft like he does in the cartoon as opposed to just not even holding the sword it's pegged <laughs> it's onto right. his hand he's only got thing. one holdy hand that's right yeah that sort of thing so yeah. that that sort of does it for me so that's i'd, I'd choose more it's a it's a it's a fantastic question because it is so hard mm. to answer all right does 10 has uh, i love this it's such a does 10 <laughs> question it's fantastic he goes i've got one who's your favorite plant-based fantasy character that isn't Swamp Thing, Moss Man, or Poison Ivy. <laughs> okay, so it's got to be plant-based. <laughs> plant-based. Fair. I went with uh, Major Disaster from oh, Toxic Crusaders. Wow. Yes, good yeah, call. Yeah, because he's uh, very plant-like and uh, yep, swamp, very yep. mutated from the uh, plant life, uh, you know, greenery. So you feel like you stick could... Stick that in your pipe and you smoke it. You feel like you could smoke him, <laughs> yeah. don't you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, got, I got nothing. I'm, I'm trying to think of... of something have you have you got i one, do Jen? have one yes it's uh in fact i was going through my 
um, Darkwing Duck collection, Ooh. and I've got I've got a missing one carded and I'm missing one loose, and that the one I've, I'm missing loose is a figure called Bushroot. So it's basically a, a plant based duck character if you can uh, if you can recall from that very obscure but actually got an action figure was in the cartoon as well and the action feature is a plant growing out of the head feature <laughs> so you pull a lever on the on the back of the figure and the plants grow out of the head so got a mint on card nice. but don't have a loose one and 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 really want to get that um bush root action feature happening <laughs> what, so, what about uh, uh rocky what are the, the um the little shop of horrors uh, yes, yeah, that that one actually got shouted out in our Patreon. I think when Does10 posted this, that was one of the first right, uh, comeback right. replies. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors, anyone? Yeah. So I was trying to think, go a bit different. Uh, Scotty's here in the room with us, and he actually just pointed out, pointed out my Groot figure that's sitting on the Marvel Legends shelf. And you go, well, that's pretty good. The other one that's actually just jumped to mind is Snakeweed from the 2012 oh, yes. Ninja, he's literally yep. a mutant plant yeah, you know yeah. um you know he gets his limbs cut off and they grow back sort of thing so there you go does 10 we there did we it we found it we found it. there's a few <laughs> of them what is man thing is he plant based could you eat him and still be vegetarian uh comes from the swamp swamp yeah, yeah swamp, he based. Is swamp based yeah. definitely yeah what is so this one's from uh Matt, Matt Teal and uh what is your favorite non motu Non turtles, non Batman, Jesus toy, <laughs> and, and I'm going to throw in non Marvel as well. Oh come on, <laughs> non Transformers, non Transform. <laughs> what is your favourite mo- non Moto, non turtles, non Batman, or non uh, Marvel toy? I'm going to go the 1990 Toy Island Robocop line. <laughs> Because you know what? If Darren was here, that's exactly what he'd say because we've ruled out nine-tenths of his collection uh, right there. It's back down to Toy Island. Yeah. Um, well, he hasn't uh, written Transformers in there, so you can He hasn't written Transformers. Transformers. He's a big Transformers fan yes. himself, Matt yeah. Teal. So, he, wants yeah. to say, he wants you to say Masked Centurions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What have I got that yeah. you really like? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I'd have to go Transformers. I've, I've mentioned... Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Ultra Magnus over Optimus yes. Prime, so yep. I'm looking at my um, uh, masterpiece uh, Ultra Magnus right now, and I think that's that's a pretty cool that's a pretty cool toy. That yeah. is a sweet toy. Yeah. Oh look, the, the '80s to me gave us so many good toys. If I even just if I go, you can go to the next tier, right? So I could mm. go, I can go Mask, Visionaries, Centurions, yeah. Dino Riders, all that stuff, and I can even go and I can take you another layer down. And go Starcom, like wow. things like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's some there, amazing, like those Starcom toys are insane. Um, in terms of the magnets and the um, wind-up mechanisms they've got, that it's all about like Starcom's all about space, but efficiency in use of space, like mm. it would be in real life, right? Yep. So all these things they they've got little boxes that come out of cargo holds as little boxes. And then they fold out into vehicles, and and you know you wind them up, and and they they spin out, guns come out, and it's all about efficiency of, of space, which is really cool. Um, so there's so many good toys I could shout out from the '80s that were so innovative and so much fun to play with. But you know what? I, I just for a question like this, I can't go past Dino Riders mm. as to how good those toys looked. Some of the action features, like walking actions, you got laser actions in some of them. And the fact you could put like figures in with them and, and that, that T-Rex is just 
to me one of the most iconic Mm. 80s toys out there before you even go into like the brontosaurus and the diplodocus and um, some of the other figures so that that to me that t-rex with all the armor and the aliens and krulos who's got like a helmet um i just can't go past something like that but that's not to take anything away from all those other you know non-massive toy line juggernauts that were out there um, because I think the depth of quality in some of these lines was just outstanding. And it's funny because you look at this question, and you go, "Oh, there's, there's, what's he left?" Because he's ruled out, you know, turtles, muzzle. You just listed off like a dozen toy lines that are all great, you yeah. know, and quite memorable and stuff. There's, there's plenty out there when, when you think about it beyond like the, the four or five juggernauts yeah. we talk about. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep going on Trent's thing. Uh, you know, Sectors, I'm a big fan yep. of. Uh, love my Aliens and Predator. Like, mm. that's, you know, my early 90s childhood right there. Uh, you know, Skeleton Warriors. Um, yeah, uh, what was it? Um, the Ghosts. Um, yeah. Um, oh, not visionaries. No, nah, not Visionaries. Oh, yeah. Supernaturals? Supernaturals, yeah. yeah. Tonka Supernaturals. Like, Tonka made a toy line. You know, <laughs> that's just bonkers. Like, and then you've so. got things like Infaceable. Yeah, Infaceable. Yeah, where there's yeah. like a face underneath a face. Yes. So yep. And you pull it and, it, and, and <laughs> no. Inhumanoids. Like, the, the 80s just gave us so many good concepts. Yeah. Toy concepts. Uh, Battle Beasts. Yeah. Uh, uh, right up there with mm-hmm. my favourite toy line. Uh, you know, but I've got to go with Transformers. Again, you know... You talk about nostalgia. Transformers was arguably where I kicked off my, uh, you know, adult collecting and yep. things where I um, started, you know, re-getting all my nostalgic figures and things. And it's got to be, you know, if I have to hone in on one character, it's got to be my boy Soundwave because yeah. he was arguably first or second Transformer I ever got. And just the playability of him being changing the cassettes and things came with a cassette, you know, that transformed perfectly into a little... Uh, device and uh, store the weapons in the back. That's right. Uh, yeah. That's right. Batteries for his guns yep. and things. And the fact that he was an A-lister character on just about every episode, yeah. and he just looked so cool. He sounded so cool, <laughs> and I was just uh, so happy to have him as a kid. So I'll, I'll give that shout out to um, yeah, Soundway. Soundway, very good. All right, this next question is from Dirty Uncle Mitch of the Geek Dudes and Massive Attack, and what's the other one he does? Hey, hey, it's a podcast. Hey, hey, it's a podcast. That's right. Uh, do you have a prized slash treasured piece of franchise-related media, e.g. TV show or movie on VHS or slash DVD or a soundtrack on vinyl, a novelization, etc.? Yeah, uh, look, really good question. I had a bit of this stuff, this peripheral toy stuff that mm. is based on the properties you love, but it's not toy-related. Um Davey has a, ma- even Ben here, has a massive collection of this sort of peripheral stuff. Um, I don't have a lot of it, but one thing that sticks out was I remember going into Movie Maniac. So it was a, sh- a shop here in Adelaide that had a lot of toys, but they also, being a movie-based store, had other movie tie-ins. And I remember going in and flicking through their like movie posters. And these are, um, I'm not... I'm not really that knowledgeable about movie posters, but this was a cinema release poster from the Dick Tracy 1990 movie starring Warren Beatty and Madonna. And it was sort of like double-sided, so you could see it. If they put it in a window, you could see it from the front and the back. So it's mm. printed on both sides. And it wasn't terribly expensive, maybe 20 bucks, right? And, and this would have been in late 90s, say 1997. So not that long after mm. the movie was out. 
and I, I remember going, oh, you know what? I love my Dick Tracy. I'm going to get that poster. And I took it to the front, the counter, and he's like, you know, this is an actual you know movie poster from the movie. You want to get it framed. So I took it to my uncle who had a framing business. Hmm. He put it in a beautiful frame and it's now in my lounge room. Nice. Like, and, and it's something Leanne's let me put. Um, this <laughs> poster framed beautifully um, in, the, in the formal living area. And it's it's just special. It's not super valuable. I don't mm. think I could ever sell it probably for more than twenty bucks. And um, the frames added, you know, probably hundred bucks to it. But it's just a beautiful. If you can imagine the Dick Tracy, it's Dick Tracy based on Warren Beatty holding a Tommy gun, full body shot, very stylized. So it almost looks like he's being turned into a comic. And Chester Gould's comics only were printed in very basic colors. Mm. So it's ba- it's basically black. Um, yellow and it's red and blue very bright primary colours and it's just sort of silhouetted so it's a very artistic poster and it's just it's very special because it brings me back to those early days going into Movie Maniacs buying those Dick Tracy action figures mint on card from, from the shelves and having this this movie poster from a film that's not that great mm. but um, has, a, has a special place for me cool 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 uh, going for DVDs, apparently the 2012, no, 2003 Ninja Turtles uh, run on DVD is very rare. Mm-hmm. And I've got the whole lot. I oh, mean, really? I've got, the, I've got all of them. I remember because I had trouble, it was on Foxtel or something. So I had yeah. trouble trying to keep up with the latest episodes and I'd get people to tape them for me or whatever and they'd give it to me and I'm like, I've already seen this episode. I've already seen mm-hmm. this episode. So I started... Uh, buying them and pre-ordering them from the JB Hi-Fi, which is a lo- local DVD and um, you know audio uh, seller, and uh, I just kept pre-ordering. Oh, when it, whenever Volume Two, Three comes out, I'll get that. Whenever Four comes out, and I just kept that pre-order thing going, so I never missed one. And now you know, fast forward um, ah, twenty fast odd later, well done. <laughs> twenty odd years later, people are like, oh, they you know I cannot physically get, get that um, mm. stuff, so. Uh, that that's pretty iconic. That I just something I take for granted that I picked up on the spare of the moment uh, is something that's um, you know sought after today. But yeah, so similar to what Trent said, I've got we've got two movie posters in our lounge room that I stare at every single day, and uh, one of them is The Watchman, so the Watchman film, and the other one is Sin City, uh, Frank Miller's Sin City, uh, and it's the Sin City one's more stylized. It's got um, Marv, yeah, walking you walk down the wrong alley in Sin City, you don't know what you'll find type mm. thing, and it's that red. Uh, you know, red on one side and Marv is just black silhouette. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, trying to replicate the comic of Frank uh, Frank Miller's art. And, uh, you know, Watchmen one is just a, the, them on the street and you see all the characters on the heads on the side. But it was to re and I, um, my wife, there were sort of movies where we both fell in love with the films and uh, we'd both, you know, met each other, read the comic books. Oh, look, it's coming out as a movie. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Let's go and see it. Oh, that, and walked away like that, just blown away by yeah. how good the, that movie was. Sort of pre-marriage um, style, uh, you know, getting to know each other and just mm. f- finding out what we enjoy together and things. So they uh, quite two movies that, uh, f- you know, feel very special to us. So, um, yeah, just, you know, the fact that they're still there, that nothing's replaced those two since, uh, you know, back when they first both originally came out is quite special. So Awesome. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of this sort of stuff. I had quite a significant DVD collection and, and sort of moved that on. I'm, I'm 
very much in the the digital space when it comes to a lot of this but one thing i have kept back in the day uh you know i remember a big present from uh my parents one for me one for my sister was a a stereo and this was a big you know big chunky like would have cost about 300 dollars at the time it had the dual tape decks <laughs> yep. it, uh, i don't i don't even know if it had a cd player i think it predates that you know it had a radio am and fm but it had a turntable at the top and one of the things i my dad had a obviously it was more his era had quite a significant record collection and you know here uh, that's where i learned my love for queen and and a bunch of other stuff but as far as sort of you know uh, franchise stuff we're talking about uh he had the soundtrack to star wars on lp yeah and so i would listen to that you know john williams finest etc um i still got it Uh, that was you know when moving out he was like oh yeah, yeah you can have that i don't have a record player in the house let's be honest these things don't take up a lot of room yep um yeah, and I've just, I've never, whenever we've moved house or, you know, you know organizing stuff, and what's this? And, and Ali being a big fan of Star Wars, she's kind of loath to throw it out as well. And I'm like, no, no, it's just fine. Just, it'll just slot into yeah, like a bookshelf. Exactly. You don't even know it's there, sort of thing. And it's just, it's just nice to have. I don't listen to it. Of course, you can find it just about anywhere on the internet if you want to hear it these days. It's a lot easier than getting out this giant circular disc and the needle and all that stuff. But yeah, I just, it's I like, cool. I like to keep it. Yep. No. Nah. There, cool. All right, and the last question comes from Jay Harp's cracker of a question. Out of the four TMNT TV shows, we've got the 80s, the 03, 2012, and Rise. We can probably just scratch Rise off, can't we? <laughs> Which had the better toys for the launch of said cartoon? Now, uh, a request from Jay Harp's was to ignore nostalgia if possible and be as objective mm. as you can. So realistically, yep. original 80s, the reboot in 03 and then the 2003 Nick Elodian beautifully beautifully animated um, CGI yeah. cartoon series. Yep. What, what do you reckon? Ben? Well, I've got to pl- have to play the nostalgia card a little bit in here because the original 80s one in Australia had an absolutely terrible release, right? Mm. So I remember going in to Target or whatever, Kmart I think it was, and there were no turtles. There was a couple of the villains couldn't, and things. get them. Yeah. And then mum... It blew me away. Mum bought all four turtles when when we found them, and then slowly, slowly drip drip them. fed them yeah. to me. You know, when you're a good boy. Uh, and and I remember one of the cards she folded over, f- you know, for Christmas, and I couldn't tell that that I was like, Mum, you haven't. Where's the other card? I can't <laughs> yeah. see it. Fumbling around under the Christmas tree. Don't worry. It's and then when I opened it, of course, she'd bent it over right. to trick me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm so taking that into account, I'm going to say the O three because. Because I remember I was still working for Coles then, and it, you know, Coles is a supermarket here in Australia, and we had them in store, right? And they sat there for quite a long time, long enough for me to think about it, to you know, reach to friends and things, get me uh, episodes of this new Turtles cartoon, have time for me to finally get around to watching it. Oh my God, I, this is amazing! Mm-hmm. And then go back and buy the whole wave. And and then I think I circled back around and bought another wave so I could crack them open nice. uh, because I was in that mint on card phase like oh I can't take anything out of the packet this is gonna I'm gonna retire on this uh, toy collection one day uh, so yeah um, so I that distinctively me working retail when they were out you know circling around again uh, I think O three had the best uh, release but given that they 
were so big they hit supermarkets. Yeah. Yep. yep. Good call. Yeah, I'd have to agree. The distribution. I mean, eighties. It was very hard to find a you know the the, the four turtles and stuff. I remember having a. A distinctly Ninja Turtles themed uh, birthday party when I was all of um, you know seven or eight, sort of in that that sort of range, and all the presents were the same shape. My friends would come in the door, and I was like, "Oh, I know what that is. It's just a matter of which figure it is." And there was there was doubles and triplicates all over the place because people would just get what they could. Yeah. Oh, you know, little Frank loves his turtles. Um. So, I mean, distribution is one thing. The the question is which who had the better toys. Um, I, I look rise straight up. I was prepared to buy the toys. Just, yep. just I don't think uh, Chris Fresh uh, subscribes to this theory that you want the four turtles from every iteration, yep. whether you liked it or not. And I held that rise Leonardo in my hand <laughs> and just went. His eyes are looking in two completely separate directions. I, I can't, I can't bring myself to do this. Like. And I was a bit the same with the 07 Turtles as well, but we're strictly talking TV shows here. Um, I actually like 2012. Like, they were they were everywhere. You could get the four Turtles for a really long time, despite the fact that initially they didn't actually look awfully like what you were seeing no. in the show. Yep. But their designs harkened back a lot to the original sort of artwork. They had the, the larger feet. They had, you know, sort of the white pupils, which was very different from the show. Um, a little bit of grit and detail about them that was sort of got lost in 2003 don't get me wrong i love 2003 that was arguably the turtles line that got me back in but in terms of hit the ground running here's a new show here's your first wave of figures i've got to give it to 2012 yep no they're they're good calls it's a fantastic question um and as well to the quality of the car like if i was to sit down now and say what do i want to watch i'd probably go 12 2012 Mm. because i think it's the most um I don't know for for the for the era we're in now. It's to me the most exciting, um, probably well animated, well voice acted out of all of them. Mm. Uh, I find it hard to watch the Fred Wolf stuff these days. Oh, yeah. Like it's it's a hard watch. I wanted to love it. I put an episode on the other day and it was it was tough. And 2003 is very watchable too. But I think if I have to sit down and pick one, 2012 gets my vote. In terms of the toys, there's there's something there's something weird that goes on here, right? Like. When when you get that 1988 Donatello or Leonardo or whatever, it's a great toy. Like, it's toyetic, I'm going to say. And, mm. and a lot of the toys from 88 onwards are super toyetic. General Trag, the sculpting, mm. Muckman, like, they're beautiful toys. But at the time, I didn't want a Donatello that looked kind of like the comic book. I wanted a Donatello that looked like the cartoon sure. I was watching. Yeah. So to me, though, there was a there was a level of disappointment in the toys because they didn't look like the cartoon. Fast forward to two thousand and three, and to some extent two thousand and twelve. Like you said, the turtles were a bit of a miss, which they corrected kind of later mm-hmm. on in different versions. They looked like the cartoons for the most part. Yeah. Now, this is the weird part: is you put me in this seat today in twenty twenty two, and I try to judge these on which are the best, you know, toys. Um, and and I sort of throw that out the window that they have to look like the cartoon. Because if you'd asked me this question, you know, 10 years ago, I would have gone 2003 because they mm. look cartoon-like. Yep. But there's a simplicity to some of those those shapes. Like, you know, you get, you get a figure that, um, just pick one, general blank, right? Mm. 
his pants are just flat. Like there's no ripples in them. There's no texture. There's no real interest because he's looking like the cartoon. And and I look at what Necker's doing in terms of like the general drag figure, and it's kind of boring in a way. Like mm. yeah, it looks like the cartoon, but the cartoon design isn't as interesting as the toy design. It was made to be easy to animate. Not, yeah, 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 exactly. So if I go, what is to me, what is the best toy objectively? It's the vintage '88 line because in terms of the sculpting detail, in terms of the paint applications, like 2012, they're br- like I love a lot of them but they fell down for me on some of the paint apps, right? They just go, we're putting this at a price point where we can't paint mm. those details. And don't get me wrong, 88 missed out on a few things in terms of paint apps. But I reckon if you add up the paint apps on those earlier toys They're and you compare them to 12, mm. I reckon they've, they've hit more um, paint, you know, ticks. Um, and, and I just, I think Varna Studios did a lot of the um, prototype sculpts for a lot of what turned into Playmates toys. And Whoever they had, I know Mark Taylor was involved early on in, in some of the design work, but there was a, an aesthetic in those sculpts, which I know there's a nostalgia element, but trying to look at it objectively, mm-hmm. there's just a level of detail on those that I don't think they quite hit. And maybe intentionally, because they were trying to be more animated in, in design, but I just don't think they hit that toy etic um thing as as much as the 88 toys yep. so i'm going to give it to 88 on, on that sort of I'm trying to be as objective as i can i know <laughs> i'm probably hard, not it's right? not perfect yeah but just just on on the sculpting and the paint apps there you go three different answers right there all right and we got one last question from scott scott what have you got for us a last minute writing impromptu question for you guys <laughs> Now, as I sit here listening to your record, I find myself uh, a little bit hungry. So my question is actually inspired by my current state of hunger. (laughs) It draws me back to a time earlier in life when I was young and innocent and had a a head full of hair. (laughs) And I'm reminded that... (laughs) (laughs) Shots fired. (laughs) I know where you live, Frank. As a treat after school, my parents would stop at the local deli or shop on the way home on a Friday afternoon and allow us to choose from the ice cream cabinet anything we wanted as a child ice cream. Okay. So we couldn't have anything elaborate like a Cornetto or a drumstick, something like that. Sure. So my sister and I would choose what we were happy with and after a while I noticed there was a new ice cream that had turned up in... The freezer, and it was the GI Joe inspired ice cream. <laughs> and of course, I didn't know what GI Joe was, but damn, it was an interesting looking wrapper. So it had to be delicious. Surely it was going to be delicious. <laughs> I purchased that ice cream, and I devoured it like any kid would, with very little thought or regard for actually how delicious or nutritious it was. <laughs> but before I threw the wrapper in the bin, I noticed there was an offer that if you were to click six of the wrappers. And include two dollars for mailage, for mailing and postage and handling. They would send you back a limited edition mail away figure. The fridge. The fridge. The fridge. <laughs> this is one of my favourite memories as a kid related to toys and food. Okay. My question to you is, guys, what are your favourite memories related to toys and food? food. I thought you were going to ask what our favourite ice cream was at that age period. Like That was definitely yeah. where I was going for, and the correct answer is Rainbow Paddle Pop. 100%. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. 
Oof. It's a good question. Yeah. I have a memory of those ice cream ice blocks, I think you'd call them. And with, I think they were streets. I don't know if they were exclusive to Australia, but they were like He-Man um, and the Master of the Universe ice blocks. Mm. And I reckon it was like a, you could get a red He-Man or a purple Skeletor. Purple Skeletor, yeah. And there's just something about that licking a red... Yeah, I'd <laughs> probably stop there. But red rocket. It was the red, yeah. It a red the, power sword? Uh, yeah, the red, okay. yeah. Um, that's it. That's it. I can't, I can't say anymore. But... And I would have been young having that. I, I don't know when they hit here, like eighty five ish. Um, but yeah, they they. I mean, anything that's red, right? As a kid, instant instant yeah. buzz, instant yeah. hyperactivity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think battle snacks are going to fare too well in this conversation, nah. are they? They were they were shite, right? <laughs> battle they snacks. were not pleasant. No. Um, um, this is kind of related, but like. I remember like when Pizza Hut. I don't know, was it Pizza Hut or Sizzler? One of those like the all-you-can-eat stuff, and then you'd go there, and part of your deal as a kid was you'd get those. Was it the Land Before Time? Yeah. That was Pizza Hut. That was Pizza yeah, Hut. Yeah, the it? puppets, yeah. the hand puppets, the hand puppets, yeah. and it was that thing where you know. And those nights are always interesting because you go there, you're like, you're happy to skip lunch because you know I can eat as much pizza as I can. And realistically, let's be real, it's all about the dessert bar. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have your one, yep. two token slices of pizza so yep. mum and dad don't get mad. And then you're off to as much dessert and much soft serve ice cream as that machine can give you. But then it became about, well, you know, you're going to get one figure per trip sort of thing. So now you're just like, oh... I know I was like nearly sick in the car on the way home last week, but can we go to Pizza Hut again? <laughs> so like, I've got to get you I'll know Littlefoot to yep. complete to complete that uh, that collection. So yeah, they were cool. My my um, in laws still have a set of those. Nice in, for the kids, the grandkids to come over and play with, and they're they're. Like the paint apps on them are really nice, they're durable like, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. for a, what what would have been almost a giveaway or a pay two bucks to get your Land Before Time mm. puppet. Brilliant, brilliant yep. toy. There's uh, plenty of like the Happy Meal toys and the exclusive toys, mm. as you've said, uh, and we did that fantastic episode with uh, Davey Damaged and Casey mm. um, uh, that they called us cheaters on. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. Uh, for me, it was the bubble gum that you got with the trading cards. Yes. You know, just, oh, yeah, just opening yeah, yeah. that yeah. pack and you, you just that smell of that... Uh, I don't know what would you call it original bubble gum yes yeah. original flavor or something yeah, yeah, just yeah. just and just you know you'd be like just oh bubble. this is awesome you'd throw that uh, stick in your mouth and the cards would still smell of bubble gum for you know a couple of days afterwards yeah. and I just that has such big memories in my wheelhouse you know uh, and I'd probably just you know I'd never complete a set that had the bubble gum in it uh, but you know I, I just that was such a fun memory and whenever <laughs> I smell that original flavor that instantly I'm like, oh, trading cards. You know, yeah, they yeah, go hand yeah, in yeah. hand. So uh, that's a pretty cool shout out. Speaking of bubblegum, like my kids love bubblegum. For whatever reason, you go to Kmart, there's these little dispensing, like gumball machines, yeah. but, you know, little play, two bucks or whatever, and you turn them. And they would, ha- you know, we'd go there and they'd be like, oh, I just want the bubblegum. And, and Leanne is like, do not buy the kids bubble gum because they're just going <laughs> to swallow it. So I'm like, okay. And like Robbie would have been, I don't know, like three maybe. And Callum would have been say six. And, and I'm like, look kids, I'm giving you this bubble gum. 
<laughs> I shouldn't. Mum's going to get angry if she don't finds out. Mom. Don't tell mum. But also don't swallow it. <laughs> so I'm, I've given them the bubble gum. They're chewing away. And I look at Robbie and he's not chewing anymore. And I'm like... <laughs> How many seconds did it take right. you to swallow it? <laughs> Robbie, did you swallow the bubble gum? And he's like, yeah, but don't worry. It didn't go down. It went up. <laughs> so, what? So he's trying to say, don't worry, Dad. I swallowed it, but it didn't go into my tummy. Because I'm like, if you swallow that, it's going to go into your tummy and it's going to sit there undigested for years. <laughs> Clearly, he swallowed it and went yeah, into yeah. his tummy, but he was like, but don't worry. It went up? It went up. <laughs> so it's in your brain now? I don't understand. Yeah. It's kid logic, right? Can't argue with it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next non-bubblegum segment. <laughs> May the force be with you. So the book of Boba Fett aired on Disney Plus and we knew it was coming ever since season two of The Mandalorian ended with a stinger that was Boba Fett and Fennec Shand taking mm-hmm. over Jabba's palace from Bib Fortuna. And it, it sort of heralded what was going to be like, oh, Boba G, he's, he's ruthless. Like he's just gone yep. in and wiped out. Because he basically shoots him in cold blood as yep. almost bib pleads for his life. And yep, here's good old Boba coming back in his typical cold-hearted, ruthless bounty hunter fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, it dropped and it has it's, it's finished now. And we're yep. going to talk a bit about impressions of Boba Fett without spoiling particularly the last episode. But... It's a really interesting one. What are what are our thoughts? In, in, we're only going to go ten minutes on this, mm. but first impressions, you know, broader thoughts on Boba Fett. What did it do for you? We had we had I don't know moped hotted up uh, yeah. moped chase <laughs> yeah. scenes. Yeah, we had some pretty average acting, I think, uh, for the most part, and some pretty a- average visual effects. And then we had I don't know, like almost halfway through, when I was thinking. The character of Boba Fett had pretty much been watered down a lot from really what he was, and there's an arc in there that mm. kind of makes sense of it. But um, then it then it changes, and and Boba Fett's almost written out for a couple of episodes. Yeah, it's strange, isn't um, it? Very. We, we almost get you know episode three point one of the Mandalorian. And when you think that was a nice little intro into getting the Mandalorian back into Boba Fett, we get another episode. Yeah, that was on a top true of it, surprise. Yeah. Which is yeah. again, yeah, with, with with Luke being a heavy hitter, mm, yeah. Ahsoka coming back in, growing. They had all, all the hits. I, I was saying to one of the guys at work and said, "All we needed was a Dave Filoni cameo, and it's <laughs> it's it's everyone's back again in yeah. that in that what well, we're talking the sixth episode. Sixth episode, Cad yeah. Bane appears. Yeah, yeah that was right. really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. The uh, the sheriff was back. Yep, they were all. Oh, yeah. You can't. He he's got to be okay. You're gonna break some hearts if Timothy he, Olyphant's yeah. dead. He, yeah, he was. He was fine. He was. He oh, was, was he? Well, they were going for the shoulder. Oh, in the, in the okay. Repair, so yeah, no, Timothy Olyphant. Uh, uh, he can't die. He's too too pretty His to hair's, die. Hair's too low. <laughs> the hair would have protected him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Look, it's uh, going back to that sort of episode one, two, three. Um. It felt like a bit of a a slow burn, but when you think back to it, Mando was a bit like that. Yep. Even. Yep. You know, even once, of course, Grogu shows up right at the end of, of episode one, basically, there was still complaints that it was oh, a little bit slow. But these shows we know, not just the Star Wars ones, but also the anything coming out of Disney+, Plus, 
they lead to something and in those final two to three episodes of the season you're like oh they've put all the chess pieces in place and you know here comes the the big finale so that's very much what um is sort of that's what i feel is is happened with this again we're not sort of talking the the final episode at this point but uh it, it felt slow to the point where, and we spoke to, I think, uh, the great Davey Damaged about this, and, and he made the, the, the great call where he goes, they've written themselves into a corner where they've told the best Mandalorian story without using the their most famous Mandalorian. Yeah. Because to me, the Mandalorian is the type of character, and I know he's written a little bit differently, but he never takes off the helmet. Mm. He's, he's sparse with words. He, he's... You know, brutal when he needs to be. He's what Boba he, Fett should be. But he grows a conscious... Like, that's his arc, is he mm. comes into it as a bounty hunter, and then he grows uh, a conscience with Grogu being this little child, and he grows the attachment, and he defies orders to mm. protect Grogu, and that's sort of the arc. But he does start off as the bounty hunter that would do anything for the bounty. Well, let's, let's not forget, episode one of Mando, he deliberately gets a guy cut in half with a door. Yes, right. Yep, that, yep, that was yep, in the teaser, yep, and we're just yep. like, "Oh my god, this is for real." What's ask? I ask you this: How many people has Boba Fett actually killed in the show Boba Fett? Not a lot. No, no. To be honest, no. he he fights people. You know, he lands some punches here or there, or he gets his gang, his biker gang, or Fennec Shan. Fen- to, Fennec Shan does a lot more she than does, he does. Exactly right. And this is meant to be the most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy. He's also meant to be a Mandalorian. We see an awful lot of Jake the Must in this, which don't get me wrong. Um, I think he's, you know, he's he's a good actor and all the rest of it. But it's part of the charm of Mando was that you didn't see his face, despite yeah. the fact that yeah. it was, you know, it was but a could, name under. There. Could you do that? Like like Davey said, they've they've written themselves into a bit of a corner because they've done that with the Mando show. Sure. If you do that too much with Boba Fett, you, are you treading the same sort of ground? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so, fair, I, fair. I, and you've got, you've got, um, you know, the actor Tamira Morrison to, mm. you know, you probably want to show him off a little bit. I know, obviously, Pedro Pascal's a big name as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, ben, ben, thoughts for, for me? If you ask me uh, straight after the first episode, what did I think of Mando? It ticked all my boxes, right? right. It yep. like. Uh, I'd seen Mando. I'd seen um, Boba Fett uh, escape from the Sarlacc pit. All right, that was uh, that story, untold story of how yep. he got out. Right, wicked. Finally you're you're okay that. with that? There's I, been I, a lot yeah. of criticism I, about. I, I thought it was. I thought it was sped up. I thought it was sped up, like to. a little bit. But uh, overall, I okay. That's how he got out. Like I've read the stories of yep. the Boba Fett the um, bounty universe. hunters. Yep. Yeah, yep. loved all that. But it was a bit more time lapsed rather than just you know like half an hour and he was out again. Anyway, as so I love that, loved how he got his armor back. Loved, oh look, they've got um, huts involved. Oh, this is going to be freaking awesome. And they didn't last long. They were sort of a back, you know, yeah, guy um, inside thing. of two episodes. So they? like, f- first episode was cool. Second episode, I'm like, oh, holding on to dear life. Come on, let's you know see a bit more Boba Fett. Um, you know, do his thing. What are they creating with these ninjas? How can you uh, trust this um, mayor, mayor type yeah, thing? Yeah. You know, what are they doing? Third one, once they involve those bikes and stuff, I'm like, what are they doing? You know, I'm, and I'm those losing cyborgs faith. That looked, they looked very out of the Star Wars universe, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. yeah. They looked almost Power Rangers in, in quality. True, yeah. I, I was losing faith. That, uh, that speed, you know, scene where they're uh, <laughs> You can't even call them speeder just, bikes. <laughs> it was... Slower bikes. It was terrible. And I know there's defence people uh, saying, you know, oh, this is how they do it and things, but it was just jarring to watch. 
and then uh, seeing Mando just solidified why I like Mando so much. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the less talking, the ruthlessness of him, just, you know, following around, no helmet taking off. I think um, Boba Fett was jumping into that Bacter, uh, you the, know. The Bacter tank. Yeah, yeah. Bacter tank too much. We saw the Rancor come back and there's been no follow through. I, that I think that's got to be. Coming. Okay, it's coming. That, yeah. That, that'll happen. Uh, yeah. I loved um, the Handler. Uh, Rancor yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Machete uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah Danny Trejo Dan, Danny Trejo he was freaking awesome but yeah. uh, again I wanted more of him uh, I just I just think they build for me Boba Fett has been a lot of <gasps> they're building up something cool and then nothing and you know and, and, and I know yeah. that may come with a series you know in the last episode which we're not talking about it might come in series and two it might not come to season three might mm. come back in Mando who knows yeah. but like I think there's a lot of uh, build up and then you know they're just leaving us and uh, I think things like the you know the biker scout characters in the colourful uniforms I think they were a waste of story to be told I mean they're, they're hired uh, muscle but they're they're, ter- they're people I couldn't care less about you know I think that that whole storyline is meant to show that he's got you know mercy like yep. you know you talk about his arc and how he was the most you know ruthless whatever and yeah, he could have just as easily gunned all those kids yep. down right then and there, and and he and he didn't. But he's using them to his advantage. Exactly, it's, it's also a, it's about strict, him sort of strategic. building resources and, yep. and and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I can sort of see both sides of it. I I mean, the thing that gives does it away for me is that my wife is the the primary Star Wars person in our house. She you know once a year we she's right we're gonna watch all the movies and she goes. I'm going to grip my... She, we always debate. Do yeah, we go prequels. chronological yeah, yeah. on release date or do you go one episodes one through nine? And she goes, well, it just depends. Do you want me to be pissed off at the start or pissed off halfway through <laughs> with episodes one, two, three? So that's how seriously she takes her Star Wars. And Boba, uh, sorry, when Mando was, was the show, couldn't couldn't watch it fast enough. Yeah. Boba Fett, yep, really excited for it. And then to your point, Ben, sort of by the third episode, she turns to me and goes... Do you know what? If you want to watch this when I'm not around, you go for it. Like that's that's she was just not fussed if she missed out. And I was like I was a bit like you, Ben. I was like I was holding on, I was like, come on, just you know, keep the faith, all that stuff. And then when Mando starts showing up and we're seeing what feels like season three of Mando, she's suddenly in, interested again. She's on the edge of her seat. And so yeah, yeah it's um I don't know. Well, the finale, you know, will remain to be seen as far as redeeming it or not. Um, yeah, I guess we'll find out. I, I think they've told a really good story with the sand people and how yes. they, you yep. know, how their their little weapon, their little stick See? weapon is is. But uh, but I think that was a little bit too much drawn out at the same too time. Long. Too long. Yeah. And they're not given enough time for these street gang people that I couldn't even tell you one of their names of yeah. or any. They need to be aliens or something. There's just too many humans. Moss Eisley's feeling so small at the moment. Mm. Uh, like, you know, three steps and they're in the next town type thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, and, and I don't think they've got um, in Boba Fett the grittiness down packed, like that worn-in universe. Everything still feels so clean. Feels a bit shiny. Uh, so yeah. I think that that's that episode one. But bringing back things like that little light cruiser from episode one like bam all of a sudden it's cool again you know yeah strip it yellow and make it chrome and all of a sudden yeah well that'll be the next Haslabs right that's before they we'll blow it up probably, like. yeah so yeah. you know I, I respect the little 
nods at uh, you know for the fans. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to say this about it. Like we, we, I think you've covered off on most of the main points, but at its face, you know, Mando, Mando. When I watched it, uh, and and I was filming Lego Masters at the time it was coming out, I actually I think I almost fell asleep in a few. And, and and I love it now, and, and don't get me wrong, but there were a couple of episodes or what I felt, particularly in season one, it was very episodic. Mm-hmm. So each episode was sort of standalone, like the old days of TV. Monster of the Week. A yeah. Monster of the Week, and then towards the end, oh, okay, it's coming together and I can see how it's going to fit, and it kind of went along. Whereas, And so I didn't like the episodic nature. I think in, we've moved beyond that in modern TV. You can mm-hmm. be a bit yes. more, here's the overarching arc. Now, Boba Fett has got the arc albeit a bit of a weird deviation in terms of Boba Fett being the main character in episodes sort of five Five and six six, which which is a bit jarring in the sense that the ones I've enjoyed the most are the ones that have the least Boba Fett Mm -hmm. but the 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 so it's got the arc and it had the flashbacks you know intermingled with the uh with what was happening now but the the story at its crux like there's the sand people bit which is his learning to be more i guess accepting and and uh, at one with the culture and at one with the land and and all that sort of thing and and then there's a bit of a revenge piece in there but at its heart it's about him seizing a gangland you know territory and then fighting with the huts or the the other factions to take control of the territory that he's owed and i love i love the godfather i love the sopranos <laughs> i love a lot of gangster films that are about you know people trying to take territory and the way they go about their business and the way game they of need thrones. game of thrones yeah. you know ultimately this is the worst representation of a sort of power struggle or a gangster struggle that feels in any way grounded in any sort of reality as to this would play out like he is gone his main muscle are some like emo hipsters that he's picked <laughs> off the side of the street that that ride these ridiculous things like that's his that's his like and he's got Fennec Shand and he's got two Gamorrean guards and he's meant to be controlling an empire of yeah. of an underworld and fighting huts and then the huts come along and they're just gone because there's some other faction that's flying in like it just doesn't have any mm. grounding in how like if you're gonna focus your story arc on a gangster fight for territory it is the piss weakest story you could have come up with wow. it just it's just it's it's terrible for that type of story like to what to, yeah. to what you can go out and watch for that narrative yeah yeah like it it it, it doesn't make any sense and and i think you, like a wookie this, this wookie cool wookie comes yeah, in and and, cool. and tries to assassinate him and then they're best buds yeah, yeah. like <laughs> you're just keeping him around because he's cool but, like it's it's plot armor yeah. it's it's not it doesn't feel real and it doesn't feel grounded. And that's my biggest gripe is that you've taken Boba Fett, you've kind of diluted him as a character, mm-hmm. even if you can play it off and go, okay, that's his arc and he feels differently now about things because he's seen the ways of the Sand People. That the gangster story is is crap. It's yep. poorly yep. written yep. and it's taken Mando to come along take us out of that story arc and go, here's a good story. Here, this is an interesting you loved story. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's why episode seven is going to be so critical because it's going to tie us all back into yeah. that, that what is really a showdown now between the Pike Syndicate mm. and, and Boba Fett over this territory. And, and I think it was you that said with this whole spice scenario, 
if they're flying from another world to um, Mos Eisley or whatever that planet, Tatooine, mm. where they're uh, living, why do they have to set it at one end of the planet and then sh- then further ship it across? You know, on this, uh, you know, imaginary, oh, train um, and stuff. you know, train and things like that. Why can't they just fly to the other side of the planet and drop it to the location? You know, what's what's stopping them from? Why why is another train sequence involved? <laughs> like, I just that that sort of thing doesn't make sense. Uh, why that? Uh, it's you know, not explained, is it? No, like, it's not. Like, not not yet. Uh, you know, and I don't know. Uh, they they haven't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just mm. get bloody Han Solo to to smuggle it. I don't know. I, I found I found it really weird in in episode six because Spice has only ever been referred to you know like briefly in episode four where we learn Han Solo is a spice smuggler or he yeah. has smuggled spice and it's not really referenced at all as being a drug or being illicit. You get the impression it's an illicit substance mm. of sorts. And really, all we know about it is the fact that George Lucas lifted. The, the term spice from June, yep. where spice is a kind of, you know, it, it's the it's tra- primary thing primary yeah. thing for space travel and trade, and it is a hallucinogenic type substance that does create visions, etc., um, in its users. But to actually then see spice as kind of this June spice when he kicks it over, mm-hmm. and, I, and it actually looked like spice. Yeah, it looked exactly the same, the same. Yep. Yep. And it was, it was such a weird moment for me to realise this concept that had been plucked out of June and just used as a throwaway line mm. and, a, and a small reference to them being back on Tatooine which really the embodiment <laughs> of June is where they produce the spice and now they're importing spice into the desert planet when it looked like it was harvested from the sand it was it was weird it was a weird well, sure when you put it like that it sounds silly <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just seemed like a silly way to kind of make it so overtly the spice from June. I don't know. I found that. It's only a minor thing. Yeah. But to make it overtly a drug and that it looked like spice and he kicked it over, it was just... I found that a bit weak. I will say what it's doing is it's doing a good job of expanding the Star Wars universe or bringing in some of that stuff from the books and the comics that people loved. You know, we mentioned Cad Bane. Of course, it shows up at the end of Six. You've got... uh, I don't know his proper name, but Dark Chewie... Who I'm going to call, and and there's some other deep cut references in there that I don't that I don't know, but they're they're not afraid to like pull from all corners of the universe, yep. like not just sticking with you know what you know from episodes four, five, and six. Speaking of Luke, who shows up quite a bit in the six. episode six, yep. I was impressed with that. It yes. seemed they've they've they've, they've ironed out some kinks. Yeah, in the uncanny valley, he, he was very he, believable. He looked, looked very believable. believable. Yeah, looked really good, and it wasn't just a, a cameo as what happened in Mando. There was a lot of you know very clean shots yep. of him talking and stuff. So, um, and it was good to see little baby Grogu again. I got I got a you know bit of a, a smile on my face when he showed up. I was like, oh. Um, and and apparently even that the the choice where he gets asked at the end of the episode between the lightsaber and the you know what I'm calling the mithril like <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> yep. um, that that that's actually even done in the comics like quite literally that that almost that same shot for shot thing so it proves that you know Filoni and no um, oh, who's the other guy uh, Favreau Favreau yeah uh, yep. who are the sort of brainchild behind this they. They've done their homework. Oh, now, whether the 100%. execution, to your point, and and the story writing is is there is is another you know perhaps up for debate. Yeah, I, I feel but... like those those you know, from episodes maybe two, three, and four, 
they missed a trick on on some of the narrative. Mm. Like I think it's just it's not the strongest world building, and as a result, the scenarios they put themselves in seem weak to me. And some of the acting, like that Twi'lek, like the, the, the Twi'lek dignitary for the mayor, uh, he's just I, frustrating. He just, ter- yeah. just doesn't fit the the acting style or the voice or the comedy that he's trying to portray. To me, doesn't fit into the Star Wars universe. Yeah, you're, you're, you're that's the, your Jar Jar Binks co- yeah, character just, coming yeah. back. If you're if you're you know the the let's call him a personal assistant for like this gangster, you're not. You're not that style of person. I wouldn't have thought so. No, it just mm. it doesn't f- fit. And there were there were too many elements like the the beater gang that just didn't feel right to me. A- Do you think it could maybe, have benefited overall for like you know we've said it's, it's seven episodes, which is even in this era of of shortened television seasons, seven is a bit of an odd number and quite short. I feel like it was Mando 10 episodes to a season or am I, I getting it was that eight. wrong? I thought it was Mando was eight. Mando was eight. I, I, I feel like this could benefit from going to 10 even because there's, there's, it seems to, the plot seems to jump around enough that we go, hang on, how did we get here so quickly? And yeah. your point about the spice and the trains and all these sorts of stuff. I feel like there's, I feel like they'd had this big story and then, you know, whoever it is, Kathleen, not that I want to point fingers, but Kathleen Kennedy, for example, has come along and goes, well, you've got seven episodes to do it. And they're like, crap, we need to cut out some of this connective tissue that, yep. that makes yeah, it all and, and maybe that richness of the world would have made that more believable mm, and, and more time. character, you know, wise, make it make more sense. Who knows? Uh, there's been pundits that have said that it's too long. Yeah, and right. maybe that's and maybe that's a symptom of sort of what they've had to sit through. I read one review that said it was watching Book of Boba Fett was worse than worse than contracting polio. <laughs> um, so like some pretty you know like some pretty rough wow. um, reviews of it. I, I I certainly don't think I go that far. And, and, <laughs> Thanks, internet. And, <laughs> and um, but but anyway, it's it's been an interesting journey. It's been quite divisive. It it has as always I think fractured a lot of the the Star Wars. I still love Star Wars and I still have enjoyed this show for the most part, but but my biggest criticism is is the weakness of the gangster type plot mm. that I just found in comparison to other stories that tell that that type of narrative done very poorly. Um, we won't give it a rate. Would we give it a rating? No, out of no, 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 no. Let's wait. Let's wait just our preliminary finales. thoughts. Yep. yep. And we've got another giveaway to do. And what we found when we were cataloging Darren's collection is the last item to go in was the Batman 124 scale classic TV series Batmobile by Hot Wheels. And it is a beautiful representation of the 1966 Batmobile, which Darren loved uh, deeply. So we're going to raffle this off, essentially. So all you have to do, if you want to be in the entry for the Batmobile, is go on to the Toy Power Facebook page and find the thread on the Batmobile giveaway. And what we want you to do is just post one picture from your collection and just just, just one, add it to the thread. Um, showcase, you can showcase a figure, you can showcase you know, a room, whatever you want. And then we'll go through and randomly select one through a number generator um, and and send you the Batmobile. So if you're interested in, in picking up this beautiful item that is from Darren's collection, jump on to the Toy Power Facebook page and shoot us a pic of your collection. Yep. Oh. 
We'll have it open for one week. Uh, we'll, the posted details the day after this post goes live. So we'll go, do it Monday to Sunday. And then uh, we'll on the, the following episode, we'll announce and on air the who, who the winner is. So, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, and we hope you're all doing well. Stay safe, everyone. We hope to see you around the toils, and we'll catch you later. And until next time, good journey! You can find the Toy Power team at all the usual online places. Facebook.com slash Toy Power Podcast. At Toy Power Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Or have your say and email us toypowerpodcast at gmail.com subscribe to the show on both iTunes and Stitcher and please leave us a review otherwise we just assume we're awesome oh, oh.